God, would you give us wisdom this morning to hear what we need to hear from you today, that we would understand that we are being influenced and to have wisdom to look behind us to see what is influencing us, but also give us an opportunity, Lord, to influence the world, that people's lives might be better because your spirit lives in us. And so teach us today and fill us with your spirit. We ask it in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, right uh, before the storm hit, uh, my family, we went up to Michigan where I was born and raised, and there was a purpose behind that trip. My mom, who is now late in Alzheimer's and in a memory care unit, we used to have her in a home with a caregiver, and this was just the best way to care for her. And so the home has been vacant for a little while, and we've been slowly uh, pawning off the different furniture and different things to different people. And, and so we need to get the house up on the market. And so I said, well, I've got a little bit of time. I'm not preaching that weekend. How about I just go up for a quick trip <laughs> up to Michigan? And so we flew up there and ended up spending a little bit more time than we anticipated, not being able to get a flight back. And the one thing I I wanted to get in that house where I was born and raised. So there's 52 years of history. And for those of you who have long-term in your homes, you know how much stuff you can accumulate over 52 years. And so out of all the stuff that was there, um, you know, everybody had picked through some of the things they wanted to keep, mementos and, and selling other things off. And, and uh, the one thing I really wanted to find when I was up there that I wasn't able to find was something I made as a little kid. And it was a worship folder, a handwritten worship folder, because I would play church as a kid, and my mom would play the organ, and then my brother and sister and dad would have to sit there like you're sitting there and listen to me. And I know it was still there some time ago, because every once in a while before my mom's memory started slipping, she would pull that out and, hey, remember this? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cute, mom, the very first thing. And, and she'd point out, and even in the sermon title, here's my very first sermon I ever preached as a little kid. It was thank God for the candy bar. And, and, and the premise of the candy bar sermon was, you know, we thank God for the food like before we eat, but we should thank God for candy bars too because they're good from God as well. So that was the very first sermon I preached. That was a, probably the length of that as well. And I so wanted to find that little worship folder because I'm like, that would have been really cool to hang on to and have. And hopefully you can come across that before um, we finally sell the house and then just get rid of everything else. So my sister's on the lookout for that. And you're like, well, that explains a lot about you, John. You know, you're playing church as a kid. Well, I did have a calling on my life early. I didn't really know it. I fought against it as much as I could. And my grandmother used to tell me, John, you're going to love the seminary. I thought that was cemetery and I wasn't interested in whatever that was. And so later on, God was encouraging me. I think you need to go into ministry. And I'd keep keep hearing his voice. I'm like, I'm not sure what would it take to convince you if somebody just walked up to me and gave me $20. And sure enough, most thought that went through my mind. Somebody hands me $20. I'm like, how about 50? God, that would really get my attention if you just up that ante a little bit more. And, And so all these things, you would think that out of all of those things, that there'd be no doubt in my mind that I'm doing what God wants me to do. But there was a very dark night in my soul when I was at seminary, which is your grad school for pastors. And I was laying there and I was just reflecting on everybody else who was so much smarter than me, had come from such pedigrees. I mean, so many of them came from, oh, I have great grandparents who've been pastors. I'm like the eighth pastor in my family. I'm like, man, I'm the first. Like, I'm the first one here. I didn't go to private school. I went to public school all my life. I don't know all of the things that you know. I'm not nearly as articulate as all of these people are. And I was really ready to walk away from that calling that God had placed on my life. 
And maybe some of you can relate to that as well. And I wrote something in my journal as God was sort of awakening me out of that deep darkness in my soul. And I wrote something down in my journal that I wanted to share with you because maybe this will speak to some of you as well if you feel like, man, God could never use me. And so here's what I wrote down in my journal. God has been using broken, incapable, flawed people throughout history. I know if you read the Bible like I did, maybe you grew up in a church and you heard the Bible stories. We have a tendency to sort of gloss over all the the bad parts of the Bible and elevate all the great things in the Bible. And so I looked at the Bible growing up like, oh, these are a bunch of stories of people I can't relate to. And it was almost like, oh, these are Bible people. They're not real people. Like, they're pretend people. Like, I'm sure these are just made-up kind of stories. And then, like, I got a little bit older, and you start reading through these stories. And if that's what you think today, you just need to dig a little bit more. Because this book is full of broken, flawed people throughout history that God has been using to do extraordinary things. And there is more dysfunction written in this book than you could ever find in psychological journeys or picking up any magazine today. There is just one right after another. And so I wanna give you some hope today. And as we talk about, as we did last week, these things that are influencing us and being aware of those things that are pushing on us like the dominoes in our back, we also wanna be aware that we are also called not only to influence, not only is something pushing us, but we're pushing on other people as well. And we're gonna talk about that next week. But before we can get to that, we need to understand a few truths today. And that's what I wanna give to you. And the first truth is very simple is this. I am not perfect and, and nor are you. <laughs> You're not perfect. I'm not, none of us are, are perfect, but we live in, in a world that, that seems to have this idea that we need to be perfect. And I had an opportunity to sit down uh, just a few nights ago with some high school students. And I so appreciate Corey setting that up for me. It's been a long time since I was in high school and a long time ago when I was working with high school students. So to sit down and just asking them questions about what are the influencers today and what are the big influences you think in for teenagers today and, and who is it that influences you and just laid out those questions for them. And it was really interesting when some of the students started gravitating toward people and I'd never heard of the people that are influencers today and they're world. But they had said, you know, I really like this one. I'm like, well, why do you like this one? Well, they're, they're real. Well, what do you mean by they're, they're real? Well, they share their, their pains and their brokenness, and they share some of the things that they've done that are wrong and they're ashamed of. And every once in a while, they go dark, and they just get off social media for a while, and like, hey, we're going to go away for a while because we got some things to work on, and then they come back. And I thought that very interesting because my assumption when I sat down to talk with them is what they really gravitate toward is the perfection You know, the model that we portray to everybody, the glossed over images and the Instagram feed that everything is just perfect and everything's set in place. There's nothing wrong with the things at all. And it gave me some hope uh, of looking at teenagers today to go, wow, maybe they get something that we, uh, as we get older, don't intrinsically understand anymore. So I, I thought about all these different apps that are out there, and I have never touched up a photo in my life. I don't have that artistic, creative ability. I'm like, oh, you don't need one. You can just get an app for that now. I'm like, oh, really? Well, it's an app. Well, how about FaceApp? Try that. So I download FaceApp, and I'm using the free version of that. So I just wanted to share with you in case you weren't aware of what you're just able to do really quickly. So here's a picture that I took of myself. There uh, I am with that, and I thought, well, what would be interesting? I'm looking at the bottom because it gives all kinds of choices that you can do. I'm like, boy, what would it look like if I had some long hair? That would be cool, huh? So I click on the long hair button. 
And you're like, man, how much time did you spend doing that? I, I spent a millisecond. I hit a button, and it, like a couple seconds later, this is what appears on the screen. I'm like, man, that's sort of cool. That just happens. You can just do that like that. That's interesting. And I thought, well, what else can it do? And I'm looking down there, and it's got this Hollywood button. You can sort of dial yourself up a little. So I'm like, man, that doesn't even look like me anymore. But I'm like, man, this, that's like Instagram kind of stuff. I'm like, man, that's not even me anymore. And then I look at the bottom, I'm like, oh, it's got the old button. Let me see what I'm going to look like when I get old. So <laughs> there's what you got to look forward to, right? there, Except without the hair. I guess that's all you have to look forward to. So I, I look at that, but we live in a world that just loves to put out the best of the best. And, and what that tells people is I don't really belong here. I don't really fit here. And so if we're gonna be serious followers of Jesus, if we wanna influence the world, the first thing we need to understand is I'm not perfect. And, and the Bible is full of story after story after story of people who weren't perfect. Paul summarized, I, I think, a lot of the Bible when he wrote uh, in Romans chapter three, quoting the Old Testament. He says this, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Man, that's what you find if you're reading through scripture. There is no one who is, is seeking God completely with all of their heart. There is no one who is perfect. Jesus was the only one who walked on this earth who was perfect. All of us have failed. And there's not one who seeks God with all of their heart completely because we're all distracted. And so if we're gonna be an influence in the world, we have to understand that I am not perfect. And the second thing we need to understand is that, man, I gotta stop hiding that truth. I cannot hide that truth that I'm not perfect. And I know that is what our world would encourage us to do. Don't let anybody know your weakness don't let anybody know where you're flawed. Don't let anybody know your past. Just mask that over and pretend it never really existed. And, and this is what frustrates me with cancel culture, because this is really, I think, some of what comes out of the fear of a cancel culture. That, that all of a sudden, if you make a big enough mistake, that boy, you are gonna be irrelevant in the world, and nobody's gonna listen to you, you're gonna lose your job, or your influence, or whatever it is that you're holding on to. And, and the thing that really frustrates me about a cancel culture is there is no redemption in a cancel culture. Because as soon as you are deemed that you've made a big enough mistake that you don't belong anymore, there's no hope for you. And I wonder how many people are living under the weightiness of that. Like if people really knew what was going on, I would have no hope. And so it's easier to put on a facade and pretend to be somebody we're not rather than deal with who we honestly are. I'm not perfect, I'm not gonna hide that truth. And the danger is, from the church standpoint, for followers of Jesus, there are far too many people who refuse to walk into a church, or when they come in, they feel so unwelcome because they look honestly at themselves, and they're judging themselves based on the appearance of everybody else. And everybody else appears to have it all together. And sometimes, very unintentionally, we exude that kind of truth, when that's not the truth. I'm not perfect, and I'm not gonna hide that any longer. Man, that's the kind of body of believers that Jesus wants us to be, an honest group of followers. 
In teaching our step one class, we give a one hour orientation to St. John and following Jesus. And I often ask, you know, what it draws, what drew you here? And, and most often it's a friend invited me. That's usually one number one response. And what, what do you like about St. John? And often it's a friendly place. I feel, feel the spirit of God moving. And, and this one lady had said, well, I tell you, my favorite part of St. John is the confession part of our worship service. Wow, I don't usually hear that. That's not usually in the title. I said, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I, I grew up in a tradition in a church where we would go to confession and we'd go into a booth and we'd confess our sins to a priest there and he would speak words of absolution over us and then we would walk out of there with something to do and, and I always felt like I was the only one walking into those rooms. And then I come here and we have a confession and a part of a worship service where everybody has taken a moment silently to just like, wow, think about my life. And I'm looking around, I'm like, wow, everybody's doing this. I'm not alone. I thought, wow, what are we projecting to the world? <laughs> that you're the only one that's broken? What a horrible model to give to people, to tell people that you have to be perfect before you can come to Jesus. Clean up your life first and then you'll be welcome here. That's what we're unintentionally telling people when we project perfection. So I, I'm not perfect. And I'm not gonna hide that truth anymore. This is what Paul was talking about. And he, he gets to this phrase that if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this before, but you probably never spent a lot of time meditating on it. Paul, who wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament, had wrestled with this thorn in the flesh, he called it. And he prayed, God, take this away. I don't wanna have to live with this. Please take it away, take it away, take it away. And God finally answers him. And Paul records the answer that God gave him. And here's what he said. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Wait, God, that doesn't make any sense. Your power's made perfect in weakness. No, that doesn't make, your power should be made perfect in strength. Uh, but no, Paul says, no, I get it. So I'm gonna boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Well, that's, that's great, Paul. That's 2,000 years ago, but we don't do that today. In a day of social media where everybody knows everything about everybody and can look online about everything, I'm not boasting about my weaknesses. No, Paul says, no, this is true for you today as well. I'm gonna boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Man, you want to experience the power of God. Boast more gladly about your weaknesses. And he goes on to say this. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. I'm not just going to boast about them. I'm going to delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships, persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, Paul, that doesn't make any sense. No, when you're weak, you're weak. When you're strong, you're strong. That's the, what the word means. And it's, no, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Man, when I pretend to have everything together, I'm not strong. I know I'm not strong. I'm just pretending. But man, when I'm weak and I understand my mistakes and my failures, my shortcomings, my tendencies to, to stumble right into disobedience and doing what I want to do and not caring about other people, man, when I'm weak and I understand that, then I, I discover the strength of God. And here's why this is so vitally important to get. And this is why we wanted to take a week in the sermon series to talk about this. Because I am hope for the world. You're hope for the world. You're not the hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. But you're hope for the world. That is what you are. 
This is what Jesus was talking about with his disciples. He gathered, uh, he was preaching this sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter five, he says this. We'll go back to that in a second. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is why you're here. So people can come in contact with the living God so people can connect with Jesus. This is why you are here. This is why this is vitally important for you to understand. You are the hope, your hope for the world. Paul, I think, takes this theme, and that's our text that we read just a moment ago. Look at verse six. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness. This is what he did in creation, and this is, he's alluding to what Jesus said in Matthew. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is what God wanted us to do, to see him in all of his glory and holiness and righteousness and, and have hope when the world would look at us and say, no, I'm canceling you, that we know that there's a God who created you to say, no, I'm not canceling you, I'm redeeming you. I've got a plan for your life. This is a great message. And all of our bodies, the way we live our lives should Cry out that fact that God has redeemed me. I'm not perfect. I'm not hiding that. I don't have to hide it because God has redeemed me. But we have this treasure, this incredible message of God redeeming brokenness. We have this incredible message where in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us because the world needs to see it's not something we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we manufactured ourselves. They need to see it's from God. Now, you might not know much about clay pots or maybe you've been to a museum at some point and you've seen clay pots. Most often when you see them, they're cracked and broken and they've been pieced back together after some archeological dig. But there's some common truths about these clay pots. Uh, they were very cheap. Uh, they were very common. <laughs> they were the least valued possession they were often very carelessly used and they were bound to break. And this is what God decides to put this hope for the world in. These vessels, these common, cheap, least valued, carelessly loose, bound to break vessels. This is what God puts these in. I appreciate uh, Corey taking some time to allow me to use a couple of his coffee cups and especially the one that he took so much time to break. <laughs> it did take him a long time to do this and then he pieced it and glued it back together. I don't know if you can see that. I can see you um, from the cup. It's got cracks uh, throughout this whole thing. Now what this is probably not really good for anymore is if man, you're thirsty and you wanna get some water, yeah, that's not gonna work out so well. You're not gonna get any water out of this cup. If you want some water, you need to get one that's, that's not cracked, that's, that's perfect, because this will hold water, and then you can drink said water. But you know what a, a not cracked 
pot is not very good for? Casting light. We're not getting any light out of that. But ironically, the thing that doesn't hold things in is cracked and put back together. You know what this is really, really good at? Letting light shine through it. Maybe this is why God put the treasures in jars of clay. There's hope for the world because God can use crack pots. That's what you are, you're crackpot is really what you are. <laughs> it's what I am too. It's all what all of us are <laughs> and it's okay. Because man, if we're pretending to be perfect and we've sealed everything up and nobody can tell that there's any frailties or any breaks or anything in our story that we don't want anybody to know, it doesn't do any good. You're not relating to anybody. But man, when you let the cracks show and light comes through those cracks and God will use those to transform people's lives because people can relate to that. I can relate to brokenness because I'm broken. You mean there's hope for me? I'm not just canceled? No, you're not canceled. There's a God who died and redeemed you that you could be set free. There's a God who loves you and still has plans for your life. There's other people that need your story. God has put you together, back together, just the way he wants you to make a difference in this world. Let me share one more verse with you from our text today. Verse 10 says this, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Man, this is a good way to live your life. This is a great posture. And during the season, we call Lent as we get ready to celebrate Easter. This is what we do. We focus on the cross and the, the passion and the death of Jesus. And so we carry that around in our body, not just during Lent, but all of the time. And what does that mean? Well, that means I'm remembering that Jesus had to die for me because I'm not perfect. He was I couldn't save myself. There's nothing I could do to redeem myself. I have to have God redeeming me. And so I carry that around in my body. This posture that says, I'm not perfect. I'm not hiding that anymore. Because I am hope for the world. And so I wanna carry that around in my body. I wanna carry around the death of Jesus in my body. I wanna remind myself that I, I don't have this posture like a lot of people in the cancel culture where I'm looking down on you because I'm so much better than you. I would never do something like that. This posture carrying around the death of Jesus says, no, I'm just like you. I might not have the same brokenness as you, but I have brokenness. And God can redeem you because he redeemed me. Let me introduce you to Jesus. So I'm gonna carry around the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. The light of Jesus shining through all the cracks in our lives. This is what is the plan for God. This is the hope for the world. Is God using you to take a message? Because there are people out there who feel like there's no hope. There are people that you're going to meet this week who feels like there is nothing they can do because of their past. And Jesus is saying, I want to shine through you today and tomorrow and the day after that, and the day after that. Because there's some people who need some light in their life. There's some people who need some hope in their life. 
And I, I've created you for that very purpose, to bring them hope and to bring them life again. So would you take around the death of Jesus in your body so that the life of Jesus may shine through you into the hearts and lives of other people? Because there are far too many people who are dying without Jesus. And, and if you believe that there is a God who is still using broken, incapable, and flawed people, and I invite you to rededicate yourself to being a shining light, a broken clay pot shining light into the world. And let's rededicate ourselves to following Jesus with all of our heart to say, God, you can use me, all of me, the flaws, the past, everything you need to use for your glory. Lord, whatever you wanna shine, whatever crack you need to shine through, go ahead. I'm not gonna hide it any longer. I'm not perfect. I'm not hiding that fact any longer because I am hope for the world. This is the way I wanna live.